0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. It's Friday 10th of May and uh, you are tuned into Mother's Planet, a show where there is always something to talk about in a productive and beneficial way to us mothers. Um, I'm your host Neelam and I hope you have all had a good week and uh, Ramadan has come easily to you all. Um, I don't know what I'm struggling with, sleep or the eating at odd times and what to eat. So um, I wonder how you're all finding it Um, and I'm sure that you're all sort of creating some form of routine of um, maybe power napping through the day, which I haven't quite had yet, or um, how to um, eat well. Um, whatever it is, share it with us today, um, and uh, tell us what you're doing and how you're coping with the first week of Ramadan. Um, joining me in the studio today, I have uh, Sister Farakanda Mahmud, who is um, on mic number four. Salam How are you? Welcome, Salam. I'm good, thanks. How's your week been? It's been very good. And how's, fa- how's fasting going? Fasting is Masha, going good. Masha, you look so well for someone that's fasting. You know, some people just look drained and look like they haven't slept enough. And the first week's always very difficult. But Masha, you look very well. So um, I will get some tips from you later on on how you're doing this. Uh, we are live on air and reaching out to all our listeners in Luton and surrounding areas. We're also live um, on the Inspire FM webpage where you can listen to us via tune in and um, live on the Facebook camera page. So you can connect to us through there. Um, you can also text or call into the studio to join in today's discussion. The text number or WhatsApp number is 0779 481 822 Now the phone has been upgraded, so I'm going to hopefully know how to use that. But do join in the discussion. Um, if you are unable to jo- tune in today, uh, the show is actually repeated on Saturdays from 11 o'clock. So you can um, tune in to us that way. Now um, as always, um, i like to kick the show off with a couple of headlines and this is taken from the BBC Online uh, News. Um, the first one is um, GP pressure. So numbers show that the first sustained drop for 50 years. So there's been a drop, um, and this has been consistent now for for over 50 years. There's been reports of, of waits for up to seven weeks for a routine appointment, while those needing urgent appointments have been forced to queue outside practices early in the morning to guarantee to be seen that day. Mm. So uh uh for Akanda, what's your take on this because uh, I know that you um are a uh, GP practice manager so um what, what's your what's your view on this because you could probably shed some light on on the other side of it for us
1: yeah i think um news articles are always one-sided um on the other side you can see that nine out of ten gps are suffering from burnout um it's not that they're seeing less people it's the demand is just unbearable um Mm. and obviously there's there's a lack of recruitment as well on side of gp practices as in there's less gps to actually deal with the increased number of Patients,
0: oh wow, okay, so we've got more people that need to be seen, and less so the the equation doesn't balance, yeah. And so, Um,
1: obviously, you're going to get that
0: a burned out doctor
1: and long waiting lists, yes,
0: okay. Um, uh So the next headline is uh, Computing in Schools in Steep Decline So a a study carried out by University of Roehampton found that fewer 16 year olds in England are getting a computing qualification. So schools have cut back on teaching the subject and this year the ICT exam is not an option So the fall in exam passes follows the phasing out of ICT GCSE from the national curriculum and replacing it by the more challenging computing science so I was quite sad to see that that there's no ICT anymore but then I think because my understanding of ICT is basic computer skills how to use it and how to understand it which I think maybe in today's day and age we've actually advanced quite deeply in that and that's probably why they're putting computer science now as as a substitute for that because Children know a bit too much now about computers, so um,
1: like there can be one or two, and they know how to use the, they know how to use their iPads and phones, don't they? So it, yeah,
0: and they know it better than me. My son <laughs> uh, can work my phone, I think, better than I can, and he's only three. So, uh, yeah. So I think that's probably why they're phasing it out because it's just probably they they we're getting a bit more advanced in the IT um, industry. But uh, in today's discussion, oh, I, just before I continue, uh, listeners, I did mention that um, if you can't. Join in today the show will be repeated on saturdays Uh, during the month of ramadan um there's not going to be any repeats so um the show will not be repeated but you can catch it on um spotify and you can listen in on the facebook page um ...after the show as well, so you do have those options. Um, In today's show, we will be discussing um, anxiety and depression and ways of of overcoming this. In particular, now that many uh, teenagers are suffering from the condition, um, I wanted to address this because um, we've got exams coming up and a lot of children teenage children are going through um summer exams now and they're feeling this form of anxiety and pressure as well so i thought it'd be very good to bring this um as a discussion today Uh, before i go into it i wanted to um just define um anxiety and depression Um, and this is taken from um good old google um but it's not a bad definition so um it says uh Depression and anxiety disorders are different but people with depression often experience symptoms similar to those of an anxiety disorder such as nervousness, irritability and problems with sleeping and concentrating. But each disorder has its own cause and effect. So that's what I really wanted to look at today, cause, effect and um, prevention of these um, disorders. Um, now, without delay, um, I'm going to formally introduce my guest to you today. So we have Frakhanda Mahmood. Um, please, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Hi, yeah. Um, thank you, Neil. Um, Yeah, I am um, a practice manager, have been on this radio show. Not, oh, okay. not this particular radio show, but I've been on Inspiring fm before um i'm a practice manager in a gp surgery Mm -hmm. have been practice manager for nearly 10 years now and um i have been a therapist for the last two years so i have an lp master practitioner qualification as well as hypnotherapy um qualification um and solutions focused coaching so i use different elements in helping people come out of their stuck states okay Mm -hmm. um Apart from that, I am a mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, for children. So yes. yeah, we're trying to juggle all those roles.
0: Yeah, and you're doing amazing with all those qualifications and names. By so, um, you mentioned NLP. If I could just um, get you to elaborate on that, uh, what that is, just so that our listeners know um, what NLP defines.
1: Yep. So um, NLP means um, well, stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically is the com- combination of three um, disciplines. Mm-hmm. So it's how to bring about your neurology, your Mm. thinking, um, with bring about change in your neurology with linguistics. So Mm. there's words and the way that I use my words can Mm. help direct your thinking in a different way. Um, And um, it's just using strategy. So um, NLP was actually um, founded about 50 years ago. It's Mm -hmm. relatively new science. Um, And it was modelled on um, famous hypnotherapy hypnotherapists actually to see how they have made such a big effect in such a short time Mm -hmm. so they've taken out some of those um, strategies that they've used Mm -hmm. and applied them in a day-to-day life so NLP is used in in lots of different areas it can be used in teaching it can be used in in business and sales um, in therapy Mm -hmm. um, the list goes on
0: Okay, okay, okay. So that's very um, interesting as well. Um, I'm, I'm just shocked that you are a mum and you have so many qualifications and so many things going on in the background as well. But um, going back to today's discussion, um, anxiety and de- uh, depression. Um, how would you describe these in your in your words? Or how you know, I've got Google's definition, how how does this from your experience or your line of work or how you're dealing with your patients and things? How would you describe this?
1: Um, obviously, depression has its own clinical um, clinical definition, yeah. and you'll give that in a minute. But from my point of view, um, I would say that it's um, it's an overthinking. It's it's the mental and physical exhaustion mm-hmm. of somebody because of overthinking in negative terms. Mm-hmm. Now, when they oh, when somebody overthinks, thinks and thinks and thinks negatively mm-hmm. the whole day, mm-hmm. what happens is. They haven't processed any of those thoughts. They haven't resolved anything. They go to yeah. bed and they, um, they go in. There's two types of sleep. So there's the REM sleep, which mm. is, you know, the dream sleep, so to speak. And then mm. there's the restful recuperating sleep or the deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's been over ruminating for a very long period of time, mm-hmm. when they go to sleep, their dream sleep kicks in to try to resolve those issues but that is not a restful sleep for them okay and uh, when they wake up in the morning they're exhausted again so it's just a cycle um, that just continues because that then leads to exhaustion feelings of exhaustion which which lead to negative thinking which lead to over rumination which lead to Excess dream sleep, which just goes yeah. round and round and round.
0: Yeah. And so the excess, um, excess dream sleep, um, that's an interesting term. yeah. Um, I think I probably have a lot of them, actually. <laughs> but that um, is when you're trying, when the subconscious mind is trying to deal with this problem that you are anxious about or... Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, and and obviously because you were not able to resolve it in your sleep. It, you're just, it's a cycle that's continuing. So unless something yep. comes in, there's um, nothing. So, I mean, depression um, and anxiety, I, I, I don't know. Do you think the two link or do you think there's any link between the two? Because, I mean... My understanding of depression is it usually happens after some form of trauma or grief. So if it you know people have suffered something, a loss for example, or have gone through a traumatic experience in life, if it's not um, discussed or looked into or delved into, you can find that that person can go into a depressed state. Um, whereas anxiety is, my understanding, it's like a, a worry or something that you are anxious about. I mean, um, we were talking earlier about phobias, you know, things that you just don't like doing or you feel uncomfortable about something. Meeting new people, um, going in glass lifts. or So, you know, do you think the two in, from your experience are linked or, you know... Um, they pay off each other, so you you have an an anxious or a patient suffering from anxiety that then leads to depression. Do you think that's what could happen?
1: Yeah, um, they have many similar traits, um, mm. and certainly, some sometimes depression can be fueled by unresolved um, anxiety. Mm. Um, you'll see that uh, anxiety is at the root of some OCD and people's addictions and compulsions as well. Mm -hmm. And people who are depressed, and um, this is what I, you know, my opinion is that they do, they kind of, they're in a figure of eight, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So they'll have their lows, you know, Mm -hmm. when they go into the lowest of the lows at the bottom of the eight and Mm -hmm. then their defence mechanisms kick in and they try to fight that low and they come up Mm -hmm. to the top of that figure of the eight where you know where the anxiety is so they're mm. they using the defense mechan- mechanisms of you know anger and perhaps you know aggression mm. um, um, anxiety fear to push themselves back up from that low state but then mm. after after they get exhausted again mm-hmm. they just come back crashing down so it's, it's a continuous figure of eight like that mm. no that's okay and that's... very closely
0: intertwined yeah. yeah so um. so i like the way you actually um, have defined or explained um the anxiety because a lot of we, when people have anxiety it's we don't really um, we think we're nervous or we're irritable but actually we put up a defense mechanism and then that can lead to things like anger or emotional where we just have a breakdown and we and we cry so we have those extreme emotions um so I mean um do do you have any um, from your experience any types of um, Common, I have no idea what those technical sounds are going on in the background there. We're just going to continue. Um, any uh, common types of um, anxiety that you could perhaps discuss with us?
1: Yeah, there's... Um I think it's interesting to start that we have basic primal human emotions that are necessary in mm. our day-to-day lives. So um, anxiety does stem as an extreme form of fear. But mm-hmm. Fear is necessary in our lives. If we didn't have fear, mm-hmm. then we would not be able to survive. You need to have fear when you're um, confronted by a, a lion, for example. You need mm. to have that emotion of fear to survive. Mm-hmm. But anxiety and depression, uh, another similar trait is that they're both internal. um, Mm -hmm. They're in your mind and they are more worries about something that's inappropriate. That's why it makes it so extreme. Um, Types of anxiety, um, you you know, there's generalised anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. there's post-traumatic stress, there's panic attacks Mm -hmm. and phobias too stem from anxieties. Mm.
0: Phobias, that was one that we were talking about because... um, um, I think it's arachnophobia we defined it as. I have <laughs> arachnophobia. I'm not in, I don't like spiders. So I've had my neighbor come and rescue me. I'm that bad because I just can't. And the only way, um, I, when the children were growing up, I just, you know, used to have my neighbor, if my husband wasn't home, it was my neighbor that would come and take the spider away. Um, but as they've grown up, I've had to put on this brave face and not let them feel fearful of what i'm fearful of so even that's the same with dogs i don't like dogs but when we walk past one i would just put on a brave face and say oh yes you know let's just carry on walking so i think it's my children that are making me feel that i have to put on this barrier so how would you explain that
1: <laughs> yeah phobias um uh, the way that i would you know one of the the biggest phobias um mm-hmm. currently is actually public speaking more oh, than yeah. more than spiders even and it's interesting to look at public speaking in the fact that when you're born, you're not afraid of saying what you need to say. You know, mm. as a child, you will often humiliate your parents by saying yeah. the wrong thing. But speaking in public is not something that you fear. Mm. But during our lives, we're constantly told not to speak in front of, you know, not to speak to strangers. Yeah. Um, you know, children should be seen and they shouldn't be heard. Yeah. And these kind of things. And, and that's what goes into your subconscious and yeah. that is why adults nowadays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of all that you know unconscious conditioning that has been happened throughout our childhood have a fear of public speaking now yeah so it's it's very uh, so leading on from that arachnophobia most people as a child, a child will not be scared of a spider, you know, yeah. or an insect that's crawling by. I mean, most you, mm-hmm. I mean, I know my youngest was always grabbing them. <laughs> and she never had a fear of spiders. And it yeah. was only when she saw her elder sisters and perhaps her mum as well, <laughs> um, you know, reacting in a certain way to the spider, that that message has gone into her subconscious mind that this is something to be feared. And now she too has wow. that fear. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, it's not real. It's created, but it's created by our surroundings and how we teach and what suggestions we put into the minds of our children, really. So... um uh, phobias um,
0: are sort of built in from a post-traumatic experience so something must have happened um me not liking spiders something must have happened in my experience do you think is is
1: it normally it normally happens in a high uh, emotional arousal state so you have to be extremely sad or extremely you know extremely happy mm-hmm. you know, laughing uh, mm. or you know crying or something. Mm for the suggestion to really go into your unconscious mind um, but it's a strategy nonetheless so you've actually built this strategy mm-hmm. just like in the morning when you wake up and you brush your teeth mm-hmm. you have a strategy it's an unconscious strategy whether mm-hmm. you put the you know you wet the bristles before you put the toothpaste on or mm-hmm. whether you do it the other way around mm-hmm. you don't think about doing it it just mm-hmm. happens unconsciously mm-hmm. and a phobia has been developed unconsciously and if it can be made unconsciously mm-hmm. then it can also be unmade unconsciously. Oh
0: wow. Okay. I'm gonna help you work with me on spiders then because <laughs> I do struggle with that one. So um looking at um how how we are in today's day and age, I mean, we're we're finding that as you said, public speaking as adults we suffer from that. But there's a lot of younger children now, like teenagers. I mean, my daughter's seven and she's um, sitting her sats and um, I've tried to make it as relaxed as possible and I know the school's trying to do the same, take the same approach, but they are putting tests forward to the children and they are testing them and they are putting papers out and telling them not. So there is that rigid, you know, rigid um, uh, regiment way of doing these tests. Um, so I find that children now, teenagers now, are beginning to suffer from anxiety and Pressure of not doing well or not being successful. So have you, in your experience um, of, of when you've been working, um, have, you, have you come across anything similar? Or do you find that there's been um, an increase of teenagers or adults? You know, what's the ratio? Do you think that actually the patients are becoming younger and younger? Or mm-hmm.
1: um, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely evidence that um, more people than ever are reporting um, depression Mm -hmm. Um, um, working in GP practice you can (laughs) see that that the levels are going up it's not about diagnosing them earlier it's about people um, becoming more aware I suppose as well Mm -hmm. but it's interesting when you're talking about um, exams there because you know in third world countries where they start taking exams like four times a year since the since they're in nursery you don't have that anxiety because that is just a normal part of their lives but the anxiety kicks in in for our country, especially in England, for example, Britain, mm-hmm. because we don't have that system. Mm. You know, the, the children have been used to, I don't know, you know, relaxing and just having homework here and there, and it's mm-hmm. not been too much pressure. And then all of a sudden to be mm-hmm. just thrown into a completely different. Game where you know you'll be sitting on your own mm-hmm. you'll be you know um, total silence mm. um you won't be able to have your books open or anything you won't be able to access all the things that they've been able to access very comfortably and easily mm. and so what you're doing is you're changing the environment drastically mm-hmm. and that change is how they react and that is exactly what a panic attack or anxiety mm. is it's, okay. a, it's a reaction to a change in your outer world isn't it yeah that's
0: very true actually yes because I, I, hope, I hope we're not going to start having children for having these tests. But I, I see where you're saying that if you're not exposed to that kind of atmosphere or surrounding, when you all of a sudden put them into that kind of a surrounding, it's a panic of I don't know. But I, I do think that there's a lot of pressure of um, you have to you have to do well and you have to be like this. And I think when you put that into anybody, a child or an adult, when you put that pressure on. There's there's a condition, if you do this, then that's going to happen. That then puts people into the um, anxious state and mind of, you know, I, I have to certain be a certain way, if not, then I've failed. And I think failure plays a big um, part in this.
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly, absolutely. Unrealistic expectations will not help. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you are putting pressures on your children, I mean... It's interesting and my my daughter's also doing her GCSE at the moment mm. and um she started studying um before the end of her last year so her, she, her exams are now but so and I was th- thinking wow look you know I didn't, didn't even have to tell her anything but that's the anxiety kicking in early mm. um because of what the school's telling them you know to be ready and um mm. they understood that they hadn't had teachers perhaps in a couple of lessons and mm. they now had to and swallow the whole syllabus in a year or two, mm. where they, you know, didn't have the time. But um, it's, it's not something um, I'm trying to see how to put this. But mm. one of the children in this year died. Oh wow! And I think that kind of put. I mean, it was very traumatic at the time for them. But during that time, she recognised the. You know, she saw things in a different perspective, and the anxiety for the exams. It just went away. She realised that the, the exams aren't the be-all and the end-all. Mm. And that is the kind She'd of been, message... Sorry, your daughter here, your yeah, daughter realises. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, having, was she close to this child that passed away? Was it a, a friend or an acquaintance? You know, is just just um, somebody that she studied with?
1: It, it was a, a young boy in their year, so mm. not, very, some, not somebody very close. But mm. still, it was, I think, the shock of having some, you know, the children have expectations Peasy, that they're going to yeah. grow old and die when yeah. they're 70, 80, and just made it a little bit more real for them. I mean, at the end of the day, it just changed the way that she was thinking. Yeah. It, it was another post-traumatic stress thing, but yeah. how it affected her anxiety yeah. on exams yeah. changed and
0: was that something you facilitated? Because I think that's quite mature for a 16, 15, 16 year old to actually uh, look at that and say, OK, you know, I'm not going to take life for granted now. I'm not going to worry about these little things because we just don't know where we are tomorrow. Was that something you facilitated for her to think about or was that something that just came naturally to her or just, you know, um did you find that she was going into a state of anxiety or, and you sort of curved her out of it or is it something that she was able to do herself?
1: I think as parents we need to recognise that as human beings we do need time to, mm. to absorb emotion, you know, mm. to process emotions. Mm-hmm. When you're suffering from grief, you can't give somebody a therapeutic technique to come out of it. You need to process that grief. At the time when, you know, when, when this happened, she was extremely upset I didn't jump in and you know and start you know using my therapy techniques, mm-hmm. but helped talk her through processing it. You know mm-hmm. um, she was asking questions like you know why why did he have to die? Like it was yeah. you know, he was so young, he hadn't done anything he hadn't done anything in his life yet. All the natural questions that children or anybody would ask actually Just, going yeah. through those kind of things. Um, I actually remember her coming home uh, when I. When I came home from work, and I hadn't known that this is this is what had happened, think, yeah. but she was reading the uh, the namaz and azhar for this oh. um, um, young boy, and um, she was extremely upset. But it's trying to help your child to see the higher purpose in everything. Yeah, I think that's very and, sound advice there. And the higher purpose, if we if we always, I mean, this is an Islamic um, facing mm-hmm. um, channel, so. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky, I think, in that aspect that everything in our lives, Mm -hmm. everything that happens, whether it's good or whether it's bad, always has a higher purpose. And it's very easy for us to link that and remember that. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go into therapy for uh, a therapist to tell you that. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you do need to be reminded, you know, you kind of, um, you kind of ebb away from those understandings when Mm -hmm. you were just stuck in your own traumatic um, state. But we're we're very lucky in the fact that we have that link.
0: We have our dean and our uh, guidance, because you were saying even in your line of work when you were training, um, you could see a lot of links um, between the two. We have actually had a question come in. um, um, Do you think parents put pressure on children unknowingly? But we are also heading for a break, so we will come back to that question. Um, So do join us after the break, um, where we will also continue this discussion and... Uh, be uh, giving um, our Friday giveaway away, so um, please join us after the break. Assalamualaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. As-salamu alaykum and welcome back to Inspire FM one hundred five point one FM. You're tuned into Mother's Planet. It's Friday, tenth of May, and the time is now ten thirty. I'm your host Neelam and joining me today in the studio is Sister Farakanda. I'm sorry about the technical hitches. Um, it is Ramadan, and I know that we are on the journey with Inspire FM here. So there's lots of themes that I'm still trying to get used to. So um, we're back and up and running. Um, in the show so far, we have been uh, discussing anxiety and depression and looking at some of the causes and the effects that it's having um, on uh, people today starting from the young children to adults Um, we also are now uh, I did mention before we went on to the show uh, starting our Friday giveaways so um, I'm going to hold it up to the camera, and we have a mug here with um, all the must-haves. We have a bar of chocolate, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a biscuits. We have some biscuits, and we have a tea bag and a lovely mug, and also the. Um, Inspire FM shopping trolley coin, which is a lifesaver. So, if you have this attached to your keyring, you'll never be short for a pound. Uh, you will always be able to shop without worrying that you don't have a pound with you. So, that's quite um, handy to have there. Um, all you have to do today to be the lucky winner for this is. Um, Text in um, or WhatsApp in and tell me your full name and what the topic of discussion is today. So um, that's all you have to do. Tell me what the topic of discussion is today and your full name. And one lucky willer will be contacted at the end of the show um, to let them know that they've been... Uh, they've won, so I've got two lucky winners at the moment that are sipping away with their mugs today. Hopefully, inshallah So um, that's that. So before the um, break started, we had a question come through, and the question was: um, Do you think parents put pressure on children unknowingly? Um, how how would you answer that?
1: Absolutely, I think uh, yes. We I see that a lot, mm-hmm. but it's not just the parents; it's the school, it's mm-hmm. the environment, it's mm-hmm. the peers it's social media yeah we're fi- that is why um the rates have gone up so much is because children are exposed to all this pressure, pressure. from different angles um and all the time and some of it is m- much more subtle than others but um culturally as well um it depends where the parents are from mm-hmm. and how their what their perspective is but i do find a lot of the you know parents from other countries, for example, yeah. uh, do put pressure on their children to um, achieve. Yeah, um, I think that
0: big word, achieve, yes, yes and be successful. But so it's it,
1: in their mind as well, you know, what they s- perceive as success might yeah. not necessar- necessarily be what success is going to look like for that child.
0: Mm yeah i mean everyone's destiny is written so you know um so the cause of a lot of children or a lot of people even adults people at work um are feeling that they need to succeed or be successful so that they can get promoted or be in a better position and earn better money so it's just it's pressure that we're continuously being surrounded by
1: I think a lot of it is to do with um, social media as well because we see Mm. all the success stories we see all the you know mansions and the Ferraris and you know the beautiful faces and the perfect Mm. bodies and that when a child is exposed to that they you know they they are obviously going to compare themselves and find themselves inadequate which leads to the depression which leads to the anxiety which leads Mm. to the depression Mm. and it's a it's a catch-22, really, yeah, it's when very you're in hard. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like it's
0: keeping up with with what, what's the running, what's the latest thing today, what's the latest gadget, what's the latest thing. It's just being in touch with that. I mean, um, we've had a text come back to say that we must encourage the children to think positively, but remind them that they, that the exams, ooh, but remind them they are exams, <clears throat> And yes, they are important, but not more important than their actual well-being. So um, I think it's the duty of the parents um, to reinforce this to our children. That you know, especially from a young age. I mean, I've tried to do that with my seven-year-old. I've actually just said to her, you know, it's just tests. You know, it, I've see that you've been doing well throughout the year, so I don't need to have a piece of paper that you were tested on in a enclosed environment.
1: Yeah. One of the interesting points is and I think I saw this a few months ago, is um we put pressure on our children. Yeah. Allah doesn't put pressure on us. Yeah. We are not um rewarded or measured on our the results. We are measured on our effort. Yeah. But as parents, we want to see the results. We want to see those A's, we want to see those A stars. Mm. Allah doesn't look at that. Allah looks at how much effort you put in. Mm. And shouldn't we be following that?
0: Yeah. That's lovely advice, yeah. It's very, very important because I think that's where we need to, even in this month, is all about reflecting. So we need to, as parents, reflect what, you know, what is the end goal? Where where, where are we taking our children? What is going to actually be more important for them? So that's very sound advice there. So, I mean, going back to um, my sheet of questions here... Um, <clears throat> Anxiety and depression, or mainly anxiety, um, how, what do you think this, how does this affect the mind and, and, and the soul?
1: Well, um, there's lots of research out there that mm. will tell you um, that depression has a, a huge impact um, and anxiety as well on mm. the immune system, um, and the immune system, it just goes into um, attack as if it's been attacked Mm -hmm. so it starts producing all this inflammation in the body Mm -hmm. which then um is unnecessary at that time because the inflammation is necessary when the when the body has been attacked by a virus but if there's no virus Mm -hmm. and it's just a an emotional or um, mental thought processes ca- that is causing the um, depression mm-hmm. and anxiety, and that information goes into parts of the body that's not needed. So you will see, and I do see it as well, in clients who have depression and anxiety, they will have numerous other illnesses, like joint pain, aches yeah. and pains, yeah. um, arthritis,. Yeah. And the list goes on. it's closely linked to cardiovascular yeah. diseases, diabetes, etc, mm-hmm. etc.
0: Yeah, so it's very important that we try and prevent this as soon as possible. I mean, um, how do you think there's a level of, you know, like when a person gets a cold, you start with a cough and then you'll get a temperature and then you'll get a chest infection maybe. And then, you know, okay, this person is really ill. So there's stages, do you find that there's a similar stage? stages with anxiety do we is there a stage where you can say okay this is now severe anxiety or this is this is somebody that's in the early stages are there stages of anxiety
1: there's different levels to everything Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. um um, we have you know they talk about mindfulness nowadays Mm -hmm. um and how that can improve things i'm just going to go slightly off topic and just see see if we can talk about a little bit about the treatment as well Mm -hmm. um but isn't it Awesome that Allah has given us that opportunity to be mindful, not mm-hmm. once a day, not mm-hmm. twice a day, but five times five a day, mm-hmm. that why we don't take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If we just took the opportunity for a couple of minutes or you know, five, ten minutes, however long it takes us mm-hmm. in different intervals during the day, mm-hmm. that would help Mm. And, you know, he's given us all the resources that we need mm. and we don't internalize them. We don't think, you know, I think I think we've come to a stage and I see it a lot in people that we, religion has become the other, unless obviously you're very practicing. Mm. But for the middleman, so to speak, mm. or the layman or that for religion, the general yeah. public, it's yeah. just seems to be, it's something that our elders used to do. And it, it's been, it's becoming removed from who we are. Mm. I think we need to kind of internalize it a lot more and be the solution to a lot of our problems yeah
0: going back to it and I think that's brilliant how you refer to the five daily prayers that we have as that time out and actually self reflection and it's our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of you know wherever we are suffering wherever we are just guide us and you know making that conscious mind and instilling that in our children because I think we sort of deviate from that nowadays we just um, oh they're too young oh they're too young and it's very easily said that they're too young and I think now in reflection actually it's better to introduce it when they are young so that when they get to this age Mm -hmm. they actually have that comfort and that solidarity in their heart that actually I'm not going to I have this in me I'm not going to let myself dip to that level now so I think it's very important so um, one of the um, going into looking at preventions now of um, anxiety I just wanted to share one that I um, managed to google and I think I've actually got the wrong number of seconds but um uh, a firm hug so um actually giving somebody i'm not saying we should randomly go up to people and start hugging them but our children on a daily basis as many times as possible um or each other siblings parents um a firm hug for i think 20 to 40 seconds yeah. is it yeah. yeah so 20 to 40 seconds um hugging firmly I and mean, it sounds quite long really 40 yeah, seconds it is
1: quite long <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so you have to really like this person so when you're, you're m- hugging. Yeah. Yeah. when you're
1: methodically doing it it does feel very long Long. Yet. yes right? so it becomes a habit habit yeah. yeah because um it says that it releases the um uh
0: feel-good hormones and that's oxy uh, forgive me if i'm saying this wrong oxytocin so that gets released Mm. and that that gives you uh, a feel-good hormones and then you feel a bit more relaxed and calm so doing that frequently throughout a day um will actually help a person feel more calm and relaxed so um Mm. we're going to be finding a lot of people now hugging each other (laughs) in the streets but there we go firm hug is one of the preventions of um getting into this depressed state and um or a form of anxiety but um from
1: your experience you probably have better um okay so um i think it works it works differently for the two different types of Mm -hmm. stress um that you have so with um anxiety um, a person who is being, who is having a panic attack or mm. is anxious, um, is in a very focused state of mind, a na- narrowly focused state of mind. So, what you could do with them is to open up their state of mind by, you know, I would normally just put my fingers together and ask them to focus on my hands, and then just spread them wide out, mm-hmm. keep as in to keep them in their peripheral vision. And as soon as their peripheral vision is opened up, it, it opens up that narrow state of. Um, focus um, another way is um, so a panic attack or um, anxiety is um, the inappropriate reaction to mm-hmm. fear so when in if you look at instinctually a fear of something real mm-hmm. would make you run mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. whereby you know then you're taking shallow gulps of air mm-hmm. your heart rate has gone up etc etc you can either match that with An actual exercise, for example, so Mm -hmm. that 20 star jumps, so that that becomes appropriate reaction. And once the star jumps have stopped, Mm. then the body will know that okay, the exercise is finished now, so we can calm down. Or using a different approach would be like, for example, when we're calm, Mm -hmm. when we when we're ready to eat, for example, our Mm -hmm. mouth, our body creates saliva. Now, saliva cannot be created when you're trying to run away for your life instinctually. So if you can create saliva in your mouth while you're having a panic attack, for example, by chewing gum, mm-hmm. that will send a message to the mind that, you know what, there's nothing to be sc- afraid of. Mm-hmm. And everything's calm. I'm ready to eat. Mm.
0: See, so the saliva is um, acting as a, a relaxation because you know when, you, when we're about to eat it's a it, comfort so we're quite relaxed and we're going to eat yeah. no one panics over food exactly yeah mm, well, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't but you know we don't panic over food so the saliva is acting as a relaxation well,
1: it sends the message to your unconscious mind mm-hmm. that there isn't that it's a calm time because you would only in you know say in the caveman or the instinctual mind would only mm-hmm. you would only eat when you're calm you don't eat when you're running away from a lion, yeah. you, your brain yeah. does not think of eating. It won't mm-hmm. create saliva. Mm-hmm. So if you chew gum, mm-hmm. which creates saliva, mm-hmm. you're sending a message to your mind to say that everything's okay. Wow, okay, that's very good. That's so interrupt the other feeling that has been started, that has been triggered for mm-hmm. the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so we were looking um, uh, at people having phobias and I've um, put down a couple of um, ones here um, about anxiety and people having anxiety about meeting new people Um would you do you have any suggestions about how people I mean is it just throw yourself in the deep end and just deal with dealing with people I mean how how would you what would you advise someone with that
1: well Dealing with fears, definitely, you need to be. Um, it depends what stage you're at, actually. So, um, you know, obviously, if you're very, very phobic, mm-hmm. you're not going to even put yourself in that position. But let's say if it was just a slight phobia and mm-hmm. a slight fear, exactly. if you continue to feed that mm-hmm. by te- by not um, entering into that environment that the body is afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, then what you're doing is you're speeding the fear and you're just going to make it grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. But facing your fears is very important to diluting that anxiety. Mm-hmm. But another way that you could do this is um, you can think with your thinking part of the mind because it's mm-hmm. not the emotional part and mm-hmm. um, how you'd rate that, how you'd grade that anxiety. And as soon as you start to think and grade your actually diluting that anxiety anyway. Mm. Um, and then you can recognise that, you know, you're not as bad as you thought you were mm. and that will enable you to then move forward. Mm. I mean, the way that I work is every individual is uh, unique. Mm. And essentially my point is to empower the individual and how mm. to enable them to change, to mm. create that change in either their behaviour mm. or their thoughts mm. or their feelings. They're all interlinked very, very closely. mm Okay, so um, to our listeners, um, uh, I mean,
0: before I do that, just if you've just tuned in, we are talking about anxiety and depression. Um, If you have any questions, please do text into the studio on 0777-9481-822. You can text or WhatsApp um, and we can go through those questions. Um, I also am giving um, my Friday Jamar giveaway. So we've got a mug here, chocolate (coughs) biscuits and all the must-haves so just all you have to do is text in your name and the topic of discussion today and you could be our lucky winner for today um, so just to go back to this, um, what practical advice can you offer to our um, just wrapping things up now? So, you know, what practical advice could you offer to our listeners?
1: OK, I think one um, <coughs> coming back to one of the points that you said, um, you were talking about cause and effect earlier on. Mm. I think it's very, very important. And this is something that I talk to a lot of my clients, if they're Muslim especially, is the fact that in NLP, in, in the study that um, I've completed in, Cause and effect is very important. So it's an an equation. If you are always finding yourself at the effect side of the equation, that something is happening to me, somebody did something to me, Mm. and blaming somebody else, you're never going to change because Mm. you're not in control of what's happening to you. Mm. When you put yourself on the cause side of the equation, when you take responsibility and you take ownership of Mm. what's happening with you, Mm-hmm. then you will be in a position to be empowered. Mm-hmm. So if, if if you take responsibility mm-hmm. of what's happening to you, you will then take ownership and then you can make those changes. Whereas if you're on the effect side, you can't make those changes mm-hmm. because it's always happening externally mm-hmm. from somebody else. So it's very important that we put ourselves in the core side of the equation. Mm-hmm. And as I was studying NLP, uh, one of the things that came to me um, that very closely linked with our dean is the fact that we all know of the story of Adam and Hazrat Adam um, and the Shaitan. When originally, you know, um, he tempted him with a tree or an apple or in Jannah. In and so what happened was Adam ate the apple, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And Shaitan was the one who made him eat the apple, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So they're both at fault. Mm-hmm. But who takes responsibility mm-hmm. and who places the blame? Mm. And if you know the story well, you all know that shaitan was the one who blamed Allah for making him do that. Mm. You know, he blamed him you already knew what I was going to do you etc yeah. etc. Et and obviously I'm not going to say the exact verses mm. or um, and, but Adam al Islam, what did he say? He said mm. O oh, our Lord. We have done wrong on our own souls. I'm not mm. going to go into the translation, the rest of it, mm. but he did not blame the shaitan, even though he could have, because mm. shaitan tempted him. Mm. But he took ownership, and mm. that is why he was forgiven, and that is why he was successful. Because if Allah, if he hadn't, t- if he hadn't taken ownership, yeah. why would he have changed? He didn't yeah. come to the earth and start moaning and moaning and moaning. You know, oh, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't even my fault. Yeah. He took yeah, ownership really, of that. Yeah, mashallah, that's
0: very, very lovely, and I, and I'm your recitation is lovely, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, that's very sound advice. I mean, I think it's very important that we take ownership of you know um, our act. It's, you know, we we are always uh, deciding, we decide when we wake up in the morning, we decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. There is no one facilitating it in the background. Yes, shaitan's there, but whether we listen to the shaitan or listen to our own inner soul, then we, we have the
1: power. Yeah. And it's just about remembering that yeah. you know you are created for a reason there is a purpose for your existence mm-hmm. just as your children as well mm-hmm. everybody is important mm. so in a nutshell how can what would you say is to sit down and have reflection time how how would you reflection always helps i think with current with the way things are at the moment um you know That's another thing, actually, that's been highlighted um, Mm -hmm. when I've dealt with a couple of children um, Mm -hmm. and their anxieties is the social media, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with Instagram just flicking through the pictures. There's a limit to how much your mind can take. Mm -hmm. And if it's been bombarded by images and constant uh, information, it's an information overload. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have time. You know, back in the day when I was younger, we had lots of time to be bored. Even though mm-hmm. I knew sometimes I was bored, I didn't know what to do. But that boredom was important to help yeah. you reflect. You need that time mm-hmm. and you need that space. Mm-hmm. And in my therapy sessions, and it's very different from other counselling techniques, yeah. I do allow clients to have that time, mm-hmm. you know, half an hour or hour or so the first time round to reflect on their own thoughts and that alone helps them Mm. but then I go into the techniques because it's solutions focused I don't just let them continue with the direction that they're going in Mm. Mm -hmm. I want them to be firmly looking at their goals and achieving their goals and Mm. bring about the change that they want to bring about Mm. so when you say that you give them that opportunity
0: to self-reflect is this verbally or is this writing down Do, do you think um Get verbally
1: the, I, I do I do it verbally so yeah. I, I you know I direct the conversation we we, we talk mm-hmm. um because it's necessary for me to understand where the problems are rooted mm-hmm. so that I can um help um solve them mm-hmm. or empower the clients is a better way to say is mm-hmm. to solve them themselves because it's all happening inside them it's not going to be external
0: yeah.
1: Okay. Well,
0: Jazakallah, thank you so much for um, all of your input. Um, is there any last words you'd like to say to
1: our listeners? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a Facebook page if oh, anybody okay. wants yes. to follow me. Yeah, yes. yes. so it's yeah. life life coaching with Farhan Darmeh Okay,
0: okay. Inshallah. So there we go. <laughs> so we and and on that you can um, just uh, she's turning, asking her daughter. <laughs> Is there anything else? No. Is has mom done it all right? <laughs> yes. Oh, lovely. <laughs> well, um, we are actually um, uh, on the journey with Inspire FM, where we are going through the month of Ramadan, and uh, on a weekly basis we are picking areas of. Um, um topics that are related to our deen and uh reminders we are continuously giving our listeners uh, reminders so um i wanted to talk about the we are actually still in the first 10 days um i know it probably feels a bit longer because this week for me has actually felt like quite a long week but we are in the first 10 days of ramadan and as we all know the first 10 days is about mercy so you know we have to remind ourselves about how to hold our tongue and engage in good actions um one of the um, challengings that I've faced this week, which I'm sure many mothers have, is um, being patient with our children. So, you know, when they come back from school, they're hungry, they're not hungry, then they want to take part of, oh, we want to open the iftar with you, Or and, but you're concerned about bedtime routine. So it's just having that supper. So standing back and getting them involved and having that suburb because um, all the good work that we're doing of not fasting, and then in the blink of an eye, we could just lose our temper, and all that good work can just go to waste. So it's very important that we hold our tongue and we hold our patience, and we just have supper with the children, and we allow them to take part because this month doesn't come every every year. Well, it does come every year. It doesn't come every day. So you you do um, want to make the most of it while it's here in your home and. Um, and let the children feel engaged with it. So my uh, tip for Ramadan is to just hold your tongue and remind yourself that we have to have patience. It's not just about withdrawing uh, from food and water. It's also about withdrawing from bad actions, um, a bad foul mouth or anger or any of these things. So um, Ramadan is important, and we don't want to uh, neglect any anything, really, um, involving our children um with uh good blessings this month so do you have any uh ramadan tips that you could share with our listeners
1: um i'm just going to say exactly what you said but on the flip side of it instead of thinking of it in a um linguistically negative way in the fact that sabr because when we think of sabr we think that we're doing something against something negative Mm. but instead you know um take on a positive aspect you know why why don't you enjoy it the atmosphere is different in Ramadan mm-hmm. your children are wanting to take part this is what you've been begging for the whole year mm. of that connection and that closeness and instead of like you know in, just to enjoy it yeah. enjoy them taking enjoy their um, enthusiasm of wanting mm. to take part and be a part of you and and use this time actually mm. to develop those bonds is what I would yeah. say
0: yeah, thank you. That's lovely, and you you put it really well. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'd like to apologise to listeners if I've been a bit quiet and a bit on edge. I think the fasting, I, I this is a challenge for me doing a show and fasting. But Alhamdulillah, it's gone well. So You're we are. Well. Uh, thank you. We are now in, 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 nearing the end of our show. I'd like to um, thank Furqanza for all her lovely input in today's discussion and um, all okay. her feedback thank you so much for that um and i'd like to thank all our listeners for connecting with us and listening in and i hope that today's show has been of benefit and you've taken something positive uh, from the show um as um a tradition of the show, um, I like to share a quote and my quote will be a Ramadan inspirational quote. Uh, so this is something for you all to ponder on. Um, Fasting is only 1% of not eating and drinking. The rest of the 99% is bringing your heart and soul closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Jumma Mubarak to all our listeners. Uh, assalamu alaikum Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast
1: on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspirefmLuton.